Hi, I'm Dr. Carol Kowalczyk from the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. And I have been asked a lot about myths of infertility. So in this podcast, I'm going to talk to you about the top 10 myths, um, but this segment's going to be about the top five. And hopefully after the end of this talk, you're going to have an idea of what's real, what's not, and get a little clearer picture about these quote unquote myths. So what's the first one I hear about? Oh, just relax. It'll happen. Go on a vacation. Stop thinking about it. Oh, you know, so-and-so went on a cruise. They've been trying for two years and then all of a sudden got pregnant on their own. So can you believe that stress is a major factor for infertility? Well, I have to tell you, first of all, the people who are telling you those things, remember this, they care about you. And they're not trying to be mean. They're not trying to be offensive. They're showing in their way that they care. But I got to tell you, what are the facts about stress? It's hard to measure. There's no hormones. There's no blood tests. There's no particular way to figure out if somebody's a 10 out of 10 stress and the other one's a 1 out of 10. So, you know, we really can't study stress specifically. However, there is some studies that kind of go either way. For example, they did studies of people who were in really stressful situations. So depression, war, poverty, COVID, and people are getting pregnant, no problems, no issues. On the other hand, there's people that we do know if there's a lot of stress in their life, either work stress or personal stress, that can decrease success for some people. So we do have a study that suggested that if you work on your stress, there could be a 30 to 50% increase in pregnancy rates. So how do you do that? Well, you, know, you can't really control work stress, all right? Your boss has got a deadline for you. You got, you know, all these things that are on your plate. So when you're at work, it's sometimes difficult and challenging to get some stress-free moments. But what I usually tell people is that you always have a little bit of a break here, there, or a lunch break. So kind of detach yourself a little bit from your work situation if you can. So, you know, if there's time to go outside, go have your lunch outside. If you've got your AirPods, you know, put on music that you really, really enjoy. Just close your eyes. And there's a lot of apps that have meditation or calming apps. And just close your door. And even five minutes is going to maybe make it better for you. On your way home, transition. So if you're all stressed at work, we women are really bad at this. Men compartmentalize. It's like, okay, work's done. I'm going home. And they, I got to tell you, they do less than we do. In my opinion, they have a lot less on their plates. We are going from work to our other job, which is home. And that's kids and husbands and groceries and the household chores. And, and, and so I think our minds start to go into everything we're supposed to do as soon as we get home. But maybe we can kind of teach ourselves that in that car ride even, you know, get something that's called music or a comedy or a podcast that you enjoy. And then when you get home, give yourself freedom to do some things that you enjoy. Now, guys are better than this, better with this than us. So they'll schedule a meeting, right? And their meeting will be golf or their meeting will be a tennis match or their meeting will be, and they don't feel guilty about it. They're like, dude, I'm in a meeting. Don't bug me. 
You know, we feel guilty. So we're the ones like, oh, you know, I really would like to go get a massage. I really would like to go out for a run. I really would like to catch up on that book. But, gee, the dishes need to be done. The groceries need to be put away. My kids need their homework. So it's okay to be selfish. Now, I didn't say selfish. I said selfish. That means take a little time to just do things for you. Unfortunately, we're women, so we don't need the four hours on the golf course. We can take 15 minutes, 20, 30, but trying to do some things that will help with your stress level will probably benefit the fertility in the sense of should there be a need for a workup or treatment, things are kind of a little better in perspective. They were studying a blood test called alpha amylase, which was a test that was kind of newer in clinical research to see if it could monitor or measure stress levels, not out yet, and or was not seen to be effective. So just need to relax. There may be a little bit of truth to that, but just relaxing in and of itself is not the only thing you're going to need to get pregnant. So try to get some stress reduction in your life. It it helps your whole life anyway, and and there is maybe a little evidence that could help with fertility. You need to try harder. What the hell does harder mean? I mean, really, how hard can you try if you're having sex every other day, days 10 through 20, which, by the way, is what you need to be doing when you are trying to have a baby. So why do I tell you that amount of time and that interval? So women will have menstrual cycles, and from ovulation to your period, it's always 14 days. From your period to ovulation is... Flexible. So many women will have a 25 to 35 day cycle. And so if you haven't been getting pregnant and you're just kind of having sex to having having sex and hey, you know what, you know, if it happens, it happens, then you don't have to worry about that schedule. But if you start to have sex and you're like, wait a minute, we've been trying kind of sort of for like three to four months and nothing's happening. Pay attention to how often you're having sex. And the first thing you would want to do is sex every other day days 10 through 20. Why? It's because when you pop off that egg, it only has about, you know, 24 hours, 12, 24 hours to fertilize. When a guy ejaculates inside you, then there's two to three days that that sperm can stay in the cervical mucus and in that whole tract to find an egg. So that's the kind of reason why we say that and the guys need a little time to reboot. So, but that's, I mean, that's like harder, really? How much harder can you do if it's not working in that way. So this whole just try harder thing doesn't cut it. So what do you do when it doesn't work? So that's when you hook up with your OBGYN or your fertility doctor. And what they would do is figure out what's going on. And they first would look at how long you've been trying. So the definition of infertility is the inability to get pregnant after a year of trying if you're under 35 six months if you're over 35, and yesterday if you're over 40. Why? It's because unlike our guys that make new sperm or a new mix of sperm every 72 days, you're making, your eggs have been there your entire life. So when you were in your mom, you had six to seven million eggs in those ovaries. You were born, went down to about one to two million. At puberty, a few hundred thousand. That's how they calculated menopause. They took how many eggs at puberty and they did this like algorithm and figured out that the average age of menopause is around 50-51-ish. So we only have a finite number of eggs. And so, you know, we really need to know that as the egg gets older, 
it's harder for you to get pregnant because the egg is older. And, you know, fertility doesn't fall off a cliff when you're over 35. I got that question earlier this morning. It's a little more progressively falling off a cliff when you're 38 and 40. That's why the whole workup's yesterday. But if you have been trying for that long, quote unquote, working hard, then, and you're not pregnant, you would need to see someone like me for a workup. And that workup is a triangle of hormones, sperm, and structure. So in your first visit, you'll see me or someone like me, and we'll do a history to find out if you have any medical problems, if you have regular periods or not, and get your age and your social history and also of your partner. And then what we would do is get hormones on you when you're on your period to see if there's any imbalances that need to be treated, which is affecting the ability to get pregnant, we'll look at hormones that will see what your fertility potential is. So that is hormones that there's two of them. There's FSH called follicle stimulating hormone. That is a hormone produced in your brain that starts to get the whole female reproductive system going. And you want an FSH level to be less than 10. Greater than 10 means that those ovaries are starting to get tired and it's not listening to the signal. So that could be a reason why you're not having good luck with getting pregnant. We can treat that or offer treatment options. Then there's something called anti-malarian hormone or AMH. That's a, a hormone that tells you how many eggs you have left to work with. And we want that number greater than one. Less than one says that you have less eggs to work with. But again, don't panic. We know, you know, We'll put everything together and then we'll kind of figure out a plan. And if you have less eggs, we're a little more aggressive with our treatment. Then there's an ultrasound we do and we look for little cysts on your ovaries. Those are called antifollicles. And you should have, every woman has cysts in their ovaries and those are where the eggs live. So we combine your age, your weight, your hormones, and this ultrasound to give you an idea of what your fertility potential is. In another podcast, we're going to talk about how all these hormones can affect your menstrual cycle, and also your fertility potential. But I'm just giving you an overview on this podcast. The second part of the triangle is male factors. So we're going to talk about that in myth number three. But 30% of the time, it's a problem with the guy. So we would want to do a semen analysis and get a sperm sample from him to be able to see if his count is good, if the sperm is moving good, the shape of the sperm, and we'll take that information to help figure out a treatment approach. I am going to have another podcast all about male fertility coming up soon as well. And then the third part of the triangle is structural. So you got to know if your uterus is normal to hold a baby. And there are things that are in the uterus like polyps or fibroids. These are non-cancerous growths that if they're there can decrease your chance of fertility up to 50%. Also, we want to know if your tubes are open. So there's a test called an HSG that's done in a hospital, and it's done between cycles days 6 through 12, and it looks for those things. There's an ultrasound version called a sonar with a bubble test we do in our office that, that focuses on all of this. So, you know, when people tell you to, you just need to try harder, now you know that if you're having sex every other day, days 10 through 20, and it hasn't worked, in a year if you're under 35, in six months if you're over 35, or very quickly if you're over 40, then it's worth doing this workup. All right, now, 
Myth number three, it's a woman's issue. Now, I, again, am all about women, totally all about women. So I always, always get an evaluation of the guy immediately. I can't tell you how many times in the past, and it's getting better over the last five to 10 years, but in the beginning, all these women were coming to see me and it was all them getting worked up. They're on months of treatment and I would look and say, okay, so uh, where's your husband's or your partner's sperm sample? And they'd look at me and they're like, oh no, it's me. And you know what? Seven out of 10 times when they would say that and the medication wasn't working, guess what? It was him. So what we have to do is make sure, remember, this is a couple's issue. And, and it is, you know, many of the times we can find issues with both parties, but 30 to 40% of the time, it's a problem with him. So what I do is when you come in for a workup, we get all three parts of that triangle and we absolutely make sure that we get a semen analysis. If it's perfectly normal, then we go through all the results and I make a treatment plan. If it's not, then I usually get another semen analysis about five to six weeks later. So, you know, a guy makes new sperm every 72 days. We don't have to wait that long. So we'll, we'll get a different batch in about five to six weeks. And if it's a problem, there are several things that we can do. And one is something called insemination. It's taking the sperm, putting it into the uterus around when you're releasing an egg. If it's really bad or low count or shape or whatever, IVF, because you know what, if you get me 12 eggs, with IVF, all I need are 12 good sperm. Seeing a urologist. So there are male fertility specialists who are as passionate about fertility as I am. And they would take your husband or partner down the path of a workup with hormones and ultrasounds to see if they can find a reason. And then there's antioxidants. So there are a lot of antioxidants and supplements that'll help the sperm parameters. So women it's not just a woman's issue, it is a couple's issue. And many of the time, we can find that it's both of you, but in both situations, over 90% of the time, we can find a problem and offer some type of treatment. So myth number three, no, not a woman's issue. Myth number four, age. So here's the other thing. We women are amazing and remarkable, and we're taking great care of ourselves. We don't look our ages. 35 is the new 28. 45 is the new 30. 60 is the new 45. I mean, we're jumping out of planes. We're climbing mountains. We're you know, CEOs of companies. We're, we're having our second and our third careers. We're beautiful. We're confident. You know, we're rising in every single field. So why the hell is our age a, a matter or, or a factor? Well, unfortunately, even though we're doing all these amazing, wonderful, awesome things, our eggs are our eggs. And as I said before, we have what we have. So it's important to know when you're taking care of yourself that you keep in mind that age is something that, with egg quality that is, is something you know that we're pretty set with. Now, why do you care? So if you are thinking of kids, all right, and you have a plan, career or passions or whatever, it's really important to know where you want to fit those kids in that plan. So, um, you know, years ago when people were struggling to have a baby, all we cared about was getting that baby, that first baby. 
Now, fertility is getting so much more successful. Uh, IVF is getting so much more successful. I can't just think about the one baby. So I ask my patients, all right, how many kids do you want? And then we do the math. So we get you pregnant the first time, and you've got nine months to have a, you know, be pregnant. Then you want to breastfeed. Then you want a few months to be with your child. You kind of have to factor that in. So if you're 28, you've got the time. If you're 38, you don't if you want three or four children. You do at 38 if you get aggressive, if you start to do more aggressive things to have those embryos, say we do IVF, to have kids for now and for later. So, you know, kind of planning it out is a really good idea. I have women who are couples who are, I'll never forget, I have a couple of professionals, some are in the legal field, some are teachers that are like, you know what, we just got married, we're 32 and 33, and we just don't really want kids yet, but we know about our fertility, so you know what, we want to do IVF, we want to create these embryos, and then we're going to go on with our careers, but we know we have embryos that are saved at 32, 33, so that when we're ready in four or five years, we've got these embryos to use. We also have a lot of women who are coming to us and egg freezing. So what's really cool about that is you don't have to wait for Mr. Sperm Donor or, or, or like, you know, settle for Mr. Sperm Donor when you're 28 and you're waiting for Mr. Amazing. Sometimes Mr. Amazing doesn't show up until you're 40. So many professional women are coming to me and freezing their eggs. And this way, it's kind of like a backup so that they've got a batch of eggs that are there. They still want to meet Mr. Amazing or a great partner, but if they don't, they know that they've got some eggs. Now, about that, how many eggs do you need to have a baby? Well, you need to know that eggs don't guarantee a pregnancy. They're way more fragile than embryos. So you're going to freeze eggs, and about 30% of those eggs are not going to survive the thaw. And when you're under 25, you need to freeze 12 to 15 eggs for an 80% chance of one baby. Over 25, between 25 and, and 35, 38, you need about 25 to 30 eggs. Over 40, you need 50 eggs. So, and that's per baby. So what you're going to want to do is, you know, get that math and try to plan that out. So a 20-year-old, if mid-20s, if she's trying to do IVF, she could get 12 to 15 eggs potentially per IVF, you know, stem. So again, you know, be smart about it. If you want to have kids, kind of know how many you want, kind of plan it along those lines. Uh, if you're not ready, you could always, you know, freeze embryos. If you have a partner, if not, you can consider doing, you know, the egg freezing. But age does make a difference. And even though you look fabulous, even though you are so fit and you are doing running track and marathons and all that, you know, please keep in mind that the egg really doesn't pay attention to that. It's making your egg probably a little healthier, but it is what it is. So that is myth number four. Age is definitely a factor. So please pay attention to age. And the last one, the fifth one, is no need to worry if you've had another child. It's a really staticky. Yeah. Oh, is that better? Yeah. I'll call that up. Don't worry yeah. about it. So, so the fifth one, the last one for this podcast is uh, you don't need to worry if you had a child. So this is called secondary infertility. 
And just because you had a baby once doesn't always guarantee that the second time is going to be successful. So here's where you have to pay attention. So say you're like, okay, I'm going to have my baby at 28, but I went several years apart and, you know, I think I'm not going to try, you know, till I'm, you know, 32, 31. And, and then you start trying and then you give yourself a little leeway there because you're, you, you think because it happened two months of trying before, it's going to happen two months trying again. So remember that you're older, your eggs are older. So it's like starting all over again. So you have to pay attention to that. And there is something called secondary infertility, which means that you've had a child before and now you're struggling. So pay attention when you're getting ready for baby number two, three, four, then you need to follow those definitions that I said in myth one. So if you are under 35 and it's been a year, over 35, it's been six months, or over 40, it's yesterday, kind of pay attention to that. Also, if you have some issues with irregular periods that's changed, or maybe weight changes, or there's been some things that have changed with your hormones, or you're on thyroid medication you weren't before, or you're on other medications you weren't before, you know, it's important that you pay attention to that. And depending on how many kids you want, the sooner you seek someone to just assess your fertility, the better. So uh, I think on this podcast, we've covered a lot and I've covered the first five myths that have come to me to kind of hopefully kind of settle the the questions. And uh, with the next podcast, what I'd like to do is uh, talk about five more. And, uh, you know, health does affect your fertility. And I'm going to share some things about weight and about what you can do to stay healthy to optimize things. So again, this is Dr. Carol Kowalczyk from the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. And I hope you learned something. Hey, Jackie. Wisdom and Wellness Podcast is in partnership with the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. Yeah, and it's produced by Detroit Moms and researched by my mom, Dr. Kara Kowalczyk. The Wisdom and Wellness Podcast offers several other resources featuring Dr. Kowalczyk, including magazine Wisdom and Wellness. If you like what you've heard, tell your friends and please subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to check us out on the web at www.mifertility.com for more research and resources.